And did you know that this podcast is an independent production? That's right. The Eric Norcross podcast is an indie podcast. And because of that, we depend on listeners like you to help support the show. The best way to become a supporter is to become a patron. Patreon is a membership platform that allows creators to develop a more sustainable source of financial support for their projects. My Patreon supports this podcast. If you find this podcast worthwhile, please consider becoming a patron by heading over to the Patreon link in the description. That's patreon.com slash Eric Norcross. Again, patreon.com slash Eric Norcross, and the link will be in the description. Thank you, and on with the show. All right, I have one more announcement before I go into the episode. I know these can be super annoying, but this is not a paid advertisement. This is actually about one of my projects. I made a feature film called Fractals, and guess what? It is now available for streaming. Just visit my website, ericnorcross.com. Look for the movie Fractals, and there will be a list of platforms where you can stream it. Thanks. What I'd love to do is learn about you, kind of where you came from and how you found your way to sort of being a sustainable packaging consultant, because that's a very specific niche that you found. How do you find it? Yeah, well, that's a, it's a long story. I'll make it short for you. It was uh, it started back when I was 18 years old. I graduated from high school and didn't want to go to college right away. I wasn't, wasn't ready for it. Didn't, didn't think I'd be successful yet. So I applied for a couple of jobs and one of them was Warehouser. And uh, that's a corrugated box plant here in Gresham, Oregon. And uh, thankfully I got it. And so I started my career when I was 18, making boxes and paying my way through college. And uh, that turned into after graduating with a degree in advertising uh, and no one was hiring at all in that space at that time of, of history. Uh, I went to a career fair and I found that uh, there was a packaging company there that was hiring and they were hiring for sales. So I, I applied for the job and got it. And I have a, a dad who was a salesman and a grandpa that was a salesman and a long history of that in my, in my family. Uh, and although I saw how difficult it was and didn't want to be in sales, I said, well, I'll do this for a little while. And uh, 20 years later, I'm still doing it and really enjoy it. When you're, when you were working at the packaging, the box company, mm-hmm. um, are you like thinking about like how things could be better? Like when I'm in any job, I'm always like re- in my head, I'm reverse engineering everything everyone is doing. <laughs> oh, for sure. Absolutely. Um, uh, when you work in a factory, like I, I have, and many of us have, you, it gives you a lot of time to think uh, with a very repetitive job like that. It was uh, lots of time to consider, you know, new ideas and new concepts and think about future plans and how, oh, this, this could be, you know, what, 
what if I did this forever? What, what would that be like? And uh, <laughs> what if we could change this? Or what if we could, uh, you know, try something else with this kind of packaging? So it was neat because I got to work on all the different kinds of machines um, that make boxes, uh, including the machine that makes corrugated, which is where I got my nickname, corrugated. <laughs> uh, so we actually turned paper into corrugated there at that mill. Uh, so that was really fun to get to see all those different kinds of equipment and to see how, how difficult it is to make boxes and how much work it is. So we need to, to use them a couple times if we can. All the, all the objects that you're showing on like TikTok, like the butterfly cup and the, you had a, a, a substance, was it scotch, uh, cushion that replaced it's supposed to replace bubble wrap yeah um, cushion lock what, yeah are you built are you constructing these items no uh that's made by uh 3m scotch brand um uh, but oftentimes companies will send me products to try out um in that case they're they're one of my sponsors for the podcast uh so i've been promoting their their product but it's a it's a great concept and it's been an it's been one of the best fits for me in my uh, realm of of what I'm doing because I'm promoting sustainable packaging, and so many people use plastic bubble uh, because it's easy, right? It's the go to. It's uh, you know it's going to work if you layer it thick enough. <laughs> it will solve your problem. It will not. Uh, it will make it so your product doesn't break. We hope. Uh, but the cool thing about cushion lock is it does the same thing but it's made from 100% recycled paper. Uh, so that's an awesome advantage and it's totally recyclable or reusable again. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, well, how did, so what I, one of the things I'm always interested in is how entrepreneurs and just pretty much anybody in general really find their way to these video platforms. Um, when, when did you decide that you wanted to try your hand at just using video to reach out to the world. Yeah, that was a few years ago. So I didn't do social media in, until I was uh, 40 years old, uh, which is you know four years ago. Uh, I didn't. I didn't like it. It. it I, I felt like it was. I had the wrong attitude about it. I didn't see how it could be a positive thing. I just felt like it was people showing off, and that's not something I like to do. But what I see now is there's lots and lots of people out there doing very positive things on social media, uh, like yourself and, and, and what I'm trying to do as well. Uh, so I was watching uh, Gary Vaynerchuk videos on YouTube and thought, wow, I could do that. Yeah, that sounds cool. I want to try that. So I started making uh, TikToks and, you know, I had a goal of 10,000 followers and, uh, you know, that I think we just passed, uh, we're almost at 80,000 followers now, which is uh, incredible to, and all I talk about sustainable packaging. And, uh, you know, people are very interested, even young, young people, I would say, especially young, young people less, you know, and I mean, people less than 18 are very interested in what we're doing because they care about the environment and they care about the future of their planet. Uh, so it's been, it's been really fun watching that take off and, and transitioning from TikTok, 
that led to uh, the LinkedIn Creator Accelerator Program, where they chose 100 people in the United States, and they taught us how to uh, make uh, LinkedIn posts that were engaging, and they, they showed us how to be more influential and, and, and uh, really use LinkedIn to its potential. So that's been, that was really fun to do that for uh, six weeks. And, uh, and then that turned into a podcast, which turned into a sponsorship by Waste Expo, uh, who I'm, I'm working with them on, on some of their stuff. And uh, I'll be at Waste Expo in New Orleans in, in May. Uh, so if you want to meet there and talk about what we can do to recycle more and uh, how we can improve the planet, we're here to do that. Was is the so you're at like eighty thousand on TikTok? Did you ever think that these many people would be interested in sustainable packaging? No, no. I thought uh, I honestly like I had an aggressive goal of ten thousand when I started, and you know uh, I'm just a guy from Oak Grove, Oregon. I, I I didn't think anybody would really really care. I thought they would be interested, and I could you know I've I've been doing sales long enough that I felt like I could. I could make some interesting, uh, you know, details about packaging because I've learned this all the hard way by doing it and uh, by trying it with customers and and failing and and that le- learned that that learning method is the best for me <laughs> and for most I think but uh, it's taken off way beyond expectation and turned into uh, you know massive opportunities. Uh, we're going to. Uh, Paris in January to speak at the their Paris Packaging Week about sustainable packaging, and we'll be doing live podcasts from Paris. Uh, I was part of the Sustainable Packaging Coalition event in Atlanta, and uh, got to interview big companies like Coca Cola and Kraft Heinz about what they're doing to be more sustainable, and that was a real honor to to be a part of that. And Pack Expo was an incredible. Uh, experience just a few weeks ago. So I'm traveling all over the, the country and all over the world. I have a question about, um, actually, I have a lot of questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> We're here for it. The, just a brief thing about the LinkedIn program. What kind of things were they were they teaching you to make your posts more influential, to make your presence there more influential? Yeah, great question. It's uh, LinkedIn is is an awesome platform for for growing your network and uh, connecting with companies. If you uh, have an interest in being uh, an influencer at all in any space, I highly recommend LinkedIn. Um, it is becoming more and more popular with uh, YouTubers and uh, TikTokers. They're 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 flocking to LinkedIn because. Uh, you go to you go to TikTok and and YouTube to to have a huge network, but you go to LinkedIn to actually make the connection with the company that you want to work with. <laughs> so because they need to see that you're a real person and that you're legitimate and professional, uh, and that uh, you can present yourself in a way that would make their company look good. Uh, but some amazing people doing amazing things. Um, they they recommended. Uh, Posting, they recommended engaging, uh, try different kinds of posts. So post, I always say post one one picture a week, post one video a week, post a poll, and then um, and then spend a lot of time engaging with other people's posts. 
uh, commenting and liking and sharing. These are really important things to do. Uh, but if somebody, and I like Gary Vaynerchuk always says, if somebody takes the time to comment on your post, the least you can do is reply to that comment. and Or I guess even lesser would be just like it. <laughs> you know, like the fact that they engaged with you. They took their time to say, hey, I see what you're doing and it's cool. Or I don't like what you're doing and here's why. And, and that's okay too, right? That, but we need to engage with all of those. Yeah, I would agree with that. And that's one of the things that um, I see a lot, especially in um, certain art industries, is the P their PR people will tell them, only engage with people you're partnered with in this way, and then with fans, just engage in this lesser way. And I actually don't agree with that. I like what you're saying here, is just find a way to engage with them. Uh, yeah. Even the people who are saying, hey, I didn't like what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> And I actually had a, a, this is a funny thing that happened one time. I had a guy just totally lambast me in a post, and this is probably a year ago. And uh, he, the next day, I responded and I said, oh, man, uh, you know, thanks for your feedback. Here's why I don't agree with what you're saying. And he responded, sorry, man, I was drunk last night when I posted that. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Well, thank you. And uh, so we were friends ever since. Yeah. So it's possible. I, I feel like those late night, anything posted after like 12 a.m. in that person's time should be questioned whether <laughs> it was real or not. Yeah. Um, you always have to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. yeah. So you talked about some of these companies you're advising um, or even just having conversations with about what they're doing. Uh, are you surprised by the company by certain companies' levels of dedication to sustainable packaging, or like, are there companies where like, oh, I, I always felt like they could do better, but they're not interested? Like, what are your thoughts on some of these big bigger companies? We won't name drop them specifically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think the answer is yes. I'm absolutely surprised, um, both in very positive ways and both in very negative ways. Uh, some people aren't um, doing much of anything to be more sustainable. They think, oh, it'll be fine. We'll we'll get through this. And this is another fad that will pass. But some people are totally changing everything in every single way and possibly even taking it too far because at, at a certain point you can, you can, you can do too much. Um, you can, there, it is possible to over overdo it and to not look at everything in the right way, uh, because sometimes what you're doing is is the the most sustainable option. And I think uh, the the knee jerk reaction is okay. We have to change everything. Stop what we're doing. Uh, let's let's switch all of our packaging to this, and and that can be very detrimental if you don't test it. So what I'm seeing is a lot of testing, a lot of uh, trial and error. Uh, and that's good news. Let's say you have a client who's manufacturing something that absolutely needs to be overpacked, <laughs> like guitars, for example. I can't order a guitar without coming with multitudes of bubble wrap. <laughs> uh, and they ask you, aside from using recycled materials or whatever, what else goes into constructing sustainable packaging? What, what would you talk to them about? 
Yeah, guitar is a great example uh, because it does need a lot of cushioning. Uh, there's a product called FlexiHex, which I would recommend to somebody flick, uh, shipping guitars or surfboards or tennis rackets. And it's an amazing product uh, uh, manufactured by uh, a, a, co- a couple of guys in England who are surfers. And they were tired of getting surfboards uh, that were code, you know, covered in plastic bubble wrap, just layers and layers, like you said. And they said, this, there has to be a better way. So they invented this product. And it was one of my first viral videos, actually. I dropped a bottle of wine from 10 feet in the air using their product, and it survived. And people thought, oh, that's crazy. You know, it was, uh, that's, you know, that's way above what uh, over asking. <laughs> you know, no one would expect it to work that well. And it really did. And the reason I did it was I wanted to show people that you don't need styrofoam. You don't need plastic bubble. You can, there are sustainable packaging materials that are robust and really impressive, like FlexiHex or Cushion Lock, or, you know, there are many, many products available that will replace these, these single use plastics and be curbside recyclable, which is really cool or reusable. What do you think it would take to normalize the use of these new materials? Like, for example, the, that what you were just talking about, but also the butterfly lid on the disposable coffee cup. Yeah, I think it's it's happening. It's happening. It's going to be slow and it's going to take, you know, we've we've been using bubble wrap for for or, or plastic bubble for for years and years and years. And we need uh, we need some time to transition to new alternatives. And I think there's going to be things like extended producer responsibility where uh, municipalities say, hey, if you use this, you have to figure out a way to make sure your end user can recycle it easily. And that's not easy with plastic bubble. You have to take it to a store to drop it off. And frankly, not very many people do that. Um, So what's going to happen is either it's going to be curbside recyclable where you live or it's it's going to be used less often is is my prediction uh, because uh, the way things are changing with extended producer responsibility and these different laws uh, companies are going to be financially responsible for the packaging that they use and making sure that it is sustainable what are your thoughts on some of the recent I've been I've been seeing a lot of content in the news, but also on social media about how, oh, like bottle recycling isn't as effective as you think it is, and yada yada yada. Yeah. Are, are you seeing that content too? Yeah. So there's only ten states in the U.S. that have a a, a bottle deposit system, and those states have double the recycling rates of the the other states that don't have those. So. Uh, my thought and my hope is that other states will get on board with this system and assign value to the items that aren't getting recycled as often as they should. Um, though the other side of that coin will, will be, there will be a lot of reusable packaging. Um, like for example, uh, the, the glass Coke bottles in Mexico that are famous for being so delicious because they use real sugar down there. Uh, their uh, Coca-Cola company is using that 
system and they're expanding it into Texas. And then that'll go to, you know, it will just grow throughout the states uh, and become more and more prevalent to where, you know, Joe Consumer and Joe Consumer will be able to take a case of glass bottles back to the grocery store and uh, get money for them or, or get their deposit back. Is Oregon one of the states? Yeah, we were the first. And uh, back in 1971, I think. Uh, but uh, our our bottle drop system and our bottle deposit system is so popular uh, that uh, and it's so innovative that people come from all over the world to see how we do it. And uh, it's it's an exciting place to live. Uh, and so when I traveled, when I was young, I, and I would go to California and other states that don't have these kind of, or didn't have these kind of systems, I'd say, you threw that can away. Why would you do that? That's, you know, that's crazy uh, as a young person. So I think if we can teach people when they're young and and show people when they're they're older, like like myself, that, hey, this can be recycled. Here's how you do it. And here's the system that works for for us. Yeah, in New York, that's the only piece of litter you will never see are bottles yeah. and cans. Because <laughs> even if somebody tosses it, there's always somebody behind them who just kind of grabs it and <laughs> yeah. takes it. And imagine if all packaging had value. Imagine if everything that you that you put in your waste stream uh, had a, a, a value assigned to it. Uh, it wouldn't be litter anymore. Uh, it's, it's put the, the possibility is there. It's real. That is such a good idea. Like if pizza boxes had yeah. like a five cent deposit on that, right? <laughs> pizza yeah. places would get even more orders than they get now. The number of pizza boxes made in the United States is staggering. I don't remember it off the top of my head, but it's billions with a B. I believe it's, it. It's absolutely massive. And there's been pushback saying, oh, these aren't recyclable. Well, uh, Westrock uh, paper uh, did a study and they've proven that they, the boxes don't degrade the recycle stream. Uh, so they are recyclable. Uh, we encourage you to recycle your pizza boxes and please, because we need the material uh, to make new corrugated boxes. Yeah. The, uh, what do you think of the, there's some really strange things that they've been experimenting with. And I know you just did a podcast recently on like, was it using mushrooms? <laughs> yeah. Mycelium mushroom is a replacement for uh, styrofoam, uh, which is really cool. It's a uh, totally natural backyard compostable, uh, literally throw it in uh, the dirt in your backyard and it will degrade. And I think the numbers I heard were six to eight weeks uh, which is amazing, you know, under the right conditions, but it's made from mushroom and hemp husks, which is really, really cool. Yeah. I, hemp is supposed to be like the be one of the best plants to make really anything out of, I heard. Yeah. Yeah. Hemp is, uh, uh, you'll see a lot more hemp paper. You'll see a lot more hemp based packaging. In the future, I think the problem with hemp is the uh, the fibers are shorter than tree than tree fibers than than wood pulp. So it's about a fourth the length of a tree fiber. 
Uh, and so you have to make the material quite a bit thicker, uh, which, uh, you know, when you do a life cycle analysis, if you have to use four times the thickness, it's not as sustainable as we hoped, uh, but it is definitely sustainable uh, used in the right ways. So you'll see more of that. And there's a company called, uh, oh, what was it called? Re, Re, Rehusk. Uh, they were on the podcast and they were using hemp uh, stocks or restock is what it was called restock and like stock S-T-A-L-K like from a tree or a, a shrub they they took the actual uh, shrubs the stock from the hemp plant and they're turning that into packaging materials which is really cool because that used to be a waste item that was very it was so so grainy and strong that uh, it wasn't good for composting. It would take years and years and years to compost. So they figured out a way to turn that into uh, packaging paper. Interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. Do you do you advise your clients? Like, let's let's say you got a client who wants to manufacture a new kind of way of doing something. Do you advise them on sort of what a manufacturing process might look like? Oh, that's way out of my scope. Oh, that's out of your scope. So, yeah, that's uh, I'm more on the you know consulting of hey, here's an item that you here's a packaging material that could safely package your your item. Uh, so no, uh, but I would connect them with somebody who's doing something similar. Uh, so I like to. I like to connect people that are um, trying to do positive things and sustainable things. I'd like to uh, introduce them to people that uh, are also trying the same kind of thing. Uh, so yeah. that, that always makes me happy. Yeah, that, that makes sense that that would be another specialty. Because um, one of my, my interests is always in how, how what what is the sort of line from concept to just how something is made like how does a can get recycled and turn into something else that's now usable or whatever and um it's an incredible process and uh lots of youtube videos about aluminum recycling it's one of the most i, I think it might be the most recycled material aluminum uh, because it has value and MRFs really like it. The material recycling facilities like it because they can pull it out easily. They can they can bundle it in a way that's uh, very easy to ship and very dense, uh, very valuable. Uh, so it, it all comes down to uh, is the material, does it have an end use? Does it have a value stream? Uh, you know, when you look at plastic, maybe it, not everything that is plastic is uh, valuable because it doesn't have a stream that's easy to access uh, for the MRFs. Uh, but when you look at aluminum cans, totally recyclable, one of them, their favorite materials. What do you think is the most vital um, uh, substance that we need to be, re we need to be reusing, but we're not? Yeah, I think um, I'd like to see more plastic be recycled um, because pulling the material out of, uh, you know, uh, 
petroleum-based products is uh, hard on the planet. So if we could recycle them and or reuse or upcycle or downcycle them, uh, like I think of things like uh, trucks decking, uh, that is an amazing system where they take plastic bags from a grocery store, you know, the, the cheap plastic bags, the low-density polyethylene that you get in the grocery store, and you bring back to the grocery store and you drop it in the box that's called store drop-off. And they take that and they turn it into a product that's going to last for 30 years and uh, is way more sustainable than other alternatives because it's made from recycled plastic and recycled wood. That's really a neat product. Yeah, they well, they made those bags illegal where I am. Yeah. Uh, which was a really good thing. But I remember like ha- meeting a guy at one point when those were more in abundance over here where he would melt them down and make guitar picks. Yeah, that's a cool product too. I think uh, the... Uh, that Mike from No Effects used to do that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> He's a bass player, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a, such a cool idea. Um, yeah, I'm now, now, now I'll go grocery shopping and I'll like come out of the grocery store with all my groceries like this because I'll always forget my bags. That's, that's the programmed. common issue, right? Is the reusable bag and then you end up with a closet full of reusable bags that aren't recyclable. So it's a it's a real debate. Is single use plastic really bad when it comes to uh, grocery bags? There's a there's a spirited debate on both sides. Uh, you know, if it's if you can bring your reusable bags and you can get a couple hundred uses out of them, yeah, they're they are more sustainable. But single use bags, if they can be recycled into new things like new bags or new uh, you know, decking material or whatever the case may be, that's very sustainable too. But we just don't want them ending up in the environment in any way. Yeah. I, I suppose it's a question of like, what's easier to do? Change the culture so that we're use, doing our reusable bags and we're remembering to bring them, which yeah. I'm never remembering to bring them, or is it right. easier to just recycle? And I think it might just be easier to recycle them into something longer lasting i think so uh, but that's that's my opinion on that i think uh plastic is very recyclable it's just not easy to do that for most consumers so i think the grocery store will have a larger part to play in that kind of a situation moving forward um, so think about big brands that you know will sponsor these bags and they will make they'll you know their name on them so they're advertising but then they'll also pay to have those recycled at the grocery store where you got them so that that kind of extended producer responsibility uh, is possible and and likely it's happening and uh, i think there's 15 or 19 states that are going through an epr law right now Uh, oregon has a massive one coming it's going to totally revolutionize the way we recycle and, I'll uh, definitely like have to keep up on that. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I don't Maybe. know what New York is doing. I know they incinerate a lot of their waste. Uh, yeah, is... they or they ship it to Jersey, <laughs> 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 and then they forget about it. Right, right. But I remember there was like there was a, like an incident some years back where 
there was a giant barge of just years worth of trash that yeah. the states kept like shipping back and forth to one another because nobody wanted to take it. Right. Um, yeah, landfills are filling up, and uh, it's it's becoming more important that we address these issues. Have you ever seen the the Great Kills landfill here? So no. I'm in the north shore of Staten Island, and Staten Island for a long time was the part of New York City where everybody just dumped their trash. So all the trash from the 20th century is buried underneath a landfill at the bottom of Staten Island. And wow. you go there now, they've covered it with dirt, and now that's just looks like these grassy hills, but you can't go on them. And it's yeah. just like this huge waste of land. I, I've heard that they're trying to make that into a park. And uh, I think that would be really cool uh, if that if that could happen someday. But yeah, it's the 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 system for so many years was oh just dump it over there. Yeah, we'll deal with it later. Yeah, I think about that like how like every image you've ever seen of New York, whether it's in a film or a postcard or a photograph, all the waste that was created in the era that that image was created is now in Staten Island under the ground. It's so weird. It's a, it's in a daunting thing to think about. I I remember being there visiting a few times and thinking, wow, there's a lot of garbage that the, they have to deal with. There's so many people. I get it. It's not an easy task uh, to deal with that. But they're even talking about uh, mining this materials from, uh, you know, old landfills someday so it's possible that we will because frankly when you when you stick it underground it doesn't always degrade the way we think it does they've actually pulled out newspapers from old landfills and you can still read them and they're from the 30s so people think that it goes to the landfill and and it it degrades and everything you know melts into uh, dirt it's not always the case. Uh, if there's no oxygen available, it's not going to degrade. If there's no you know, moisture, it's not going to break down. So uh, there's a lot of issues there. But there's also some potential positive things where we could pull some of that material out of the ground and turn it into new things. So. What, what would you like to leave the listeners with? Um, where can they find you if they want to retain you to consult with them because oh yeah yeah check me out linkedin i think uh uh, Corey connor's on linkedin c-o-r-y-c-o-n-n-o-r-s i don't think there's very many of of people with my name so pretty easy to find me there uh check out my my podcast sustainable packaging podcast with Corey connor's it's on uh itunes uh google uh, spotify all the major ones I'll definitely and, put a link. Uh, thank you so much. But yeah, I look forward to hearing from people. I hear from a lot of students, which makes me feel really good. I enjoy talking to students from uh, MSU and, uh, you know, uh, there's so many big schools doing really, really good things in the world of packaging. I just interviewed a student, Brandon Coleman from MSU. That podcast episode will come out soon. Uh, he's talking about how these students have uh, so many opportunities in the world because they've studied packaging. And uh, that's, it's an environment where uh, there's massive, massive potential 
because you know you can go into design you can go into sales you can go into uh you know project management there's so many different things to be done in the world of packaging it's a one trillion dollar industry almost uh which is uh you know people don't realize how much work and effort goes into uh every little thing that you receive that you buy in in the grocery store has a team of designers yeah i i once applied to a uh a company that designs boxes it was on the graphic design side and their facility was huge and complex and all these micro departments i wouldn't have thought of and um i'm I'm definitely looking forward to that episode with brandon i'll add the link after it comes out Uh, but i'm definitely thinking about putting this one up on monday uh, because i think it's an important subject that i'd like to get out as soon as possible and i'll make sure to put all your links in the description as well as tiktok because i think that's your biggest uh, (laughs) asset actually yeah, yeah. TikTok at Corrugated. Check me out there. Uh, C-O-R-Y-G-A-T-E-D. That, uh, and also YouTube. Uh, that, that, that's growing fast. A lot of those shorts are, I just posted a short. It's uh, almost 10,000 views. Oh, I only have like 300, you know, sub- subscribers on, on uh, YouTube. But You'll blow up though. Yeah. Especially if you I, keep doing shorts. I hope so. It's a lot of fun to to get a lot of um, people involved with it because, uh, like you said, people care about it. Yeah. Well, I noticed, too, like YouTube really wants people doing more shorts. And I can see your shorts really taking off. And uh, after I started doing shorts, they started breaking some of their rules with, with, with me. Like, you need to meet certain, like, account uh, growth sort of mark points. Uh, in order to get certain things. So if you want to post on the timeline to your subscriber oh, wow. base, you need like 500 subscribers. But I, I, don't need, I got that before I reached 500 just because I started doing more shorts because nice. they really wanted shorts. I think they they think they're competing with TikTok now. So every all those apps are are trying to be the other one and it's and it's silly to see like TikTok now and stuff like that trying to compete with Be Real and uh, I don't. I don't think that's going to be successful for them. They should just keep doing what they're doing. It's it's working and it's and it's going very well for them. So keep keep it up, and and really support your creators. That's I great. Think. Yeah, that's exactly the message that I wanted to hear. All right, thanks. Well, thanks, Eric. Glad to meet you. Likewise. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you have a moment, please consider subscribing to the show wherever you listen. And if the app allows for it, please leave a rating and review. That way, the algorithm moves us up in recommendations. It's a great way for new listeners to find our show. Thanks, and I'll see you on the next episode.